Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. So uh, we are officially halfway through the book of Daniel. Chapter 6. If you're uh, new today or haven't been here for a while, don't worry. I'd love to give a recap of where we've been because it makes a lot of sense to where we are going. But this has been quite an adventure. If you've never read the book of Daniel before, uh, or maybe you're just returning back to it, this this book of Daniel is full of so many weird things going on. And it's so full of drama. If you're a drama king or drama queen, you've come to the right book. Because it seems that every time we turn a page, Daniel's about to be killed again, and that's what we're going to be looking at in chapter 6. But before we go there, I want to go back to a brief overview of where we've been. The book starts with these group of Hebrew young men. Babylon comes and overtakes the land. These group of young noblemen are taken, and they're taken out of Babylon, and the king really likes them. King Nebuchadnezzar uh, really likes these young men. He wants the best of the best of the best to serve in his courts. And so he chooses, we see his name Daniel, and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, and we see these four young Jewish men, kind of, the, kind of the middle of the story, kind of the heroes of the stories as we kind of read through this passage. So it starts with them, and the very first thing that happens is that they come into this new land, and this new land wants them to assimilate. They want these Hebrew young men to act like Babylonians. And one of the things they ask to do is to go against the teachings of what God has laid down for what's proper things to eat and how to act. And they said, you must do what we do. You must eat what we eat. And they said, we are not going to do that. And they said they're not going to do that with death on the line. And they said, would you just test us? We're going to eat the foods that God has commanded for us. We're not going to eat your foods because your foods are tainted. They're sacrificed to to idols. We can't do that. There's improper foods for for us to be clean. We're not going to do that. And so they didn't. And they came out healthier and stronger. And then King Nebuchadnezzar says, wow, this is amazing. We love these guys. And that's awesome. We fast forward to the next passage and we see King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream of this very large statue. And this is kind of a really mean thing to do. He says, I had this dream. I need someone to interpret it for me. So he brings all of his magicians and all of these fortune tellers and all these wise men said, okay, I had a dream. You have to interpret it for me. But here's the shtick. I'm not going to tell you what that dream was because you're just going to tell me what I want to hear. So you have to tell me what my dream was and interpret it for me. And of course, they freak out because who can do that? So they are unable to do it. And because of this, the king is so infuriated with these people, he wants to wipe out everybody in his court, which includes Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, Daniel hears about this and says, whoa, 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 let us pump the brakes here, king, for a second. Um, What if I can interpret the dream for you? He said, okay, if you can do it, go get them. And so he says, well, I can't do this. I need to go back and pray. So now Daniel goes back to pray and he's like, God, you got to tell me what this is. God does give him what the dream is. He does interpret it. He goes back to the king and he explains to them this dream of what it meant within this giant statue. King Nebuchadnezzar is blown away once again and he lifts Daniel up to a really high status and it's awesome once again. Now, We move on into more chapters here. 
we see that in chapter, uh, we see now the uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're in trouble. Uh, they are about to be in a lot of trouble because there's this golden statue created by Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, when I make music, you all need to bow down and worship this thing. And they say, we will not worship when you bow down. We see if you don't do it, you're going to get thrown into this big fiery furnace. Furnace is so hot that if you get even close to it, even anywhere near it, you're going to get singed and blown apart and burned. And so they get thrown into it, but God rescues them once again. Now we move into the, all these crazy perspectives. I mean, this is like not a normal story, right? In this story in the past, we see King Nebuchadnezzar writes a chapter now from his perspective, like maybe this God's legit, right? Because he has this, this dream. And then once again, we find out that this dream was correct, that if he didn't humble himself, he would lose his mind, become like an animal, go sit in the fields and eat grass like an ox for seven years until he turns his face towards God and repents. And so sure enough, the king doesn't repent. The king goes nuts for seven years, but then God restores everything back to him. Are you with me so far? This, tell me the Bible's boring, huh? This is insane. This would be a fantastic movie, but this movie wouldn't be able to be watched by children because it's like so much death and destruction and killing all the time because God is doing something miraculous. God is showing his power through a group of people, the Babylonians, but now Nebuchadnezzar dies. He, fight, he turns into an animal, he comes back, and he says, you are the one true God, and he worships Yahweh, or our God, the God, but now he dies, and a new king comes in. This king that comes in uh, is now completely forgot the past, and he takes all of the sacred cups and things that they stole from the temple in Jerusalem, and they're having this huge party, and they're getting hammered, and they're having a great time, and all of a sudden, a human hand comes up and starts writing on the wall. Um, wow, Right? These words are written on the wall, and the king sees this, and he is terrified of what this means. Absolutely petrified, as you would too if a human hand came into your kitchen and started writing the wall while you're eating Taco Bell. You're like, what was in that burrito? So there is writing is going on the wall, and they call Daniel. Now, the king remembers Daniel, his wife, excuse me, the queen remembers that Daniel could interpret dreams, so the queen says, king, there's this Hebrew named Daniel, bring him in who can interpret this. He brings him in, and he, there are three, uh, four words, mene, mene, tekel, perez. Mene, mene, tekel, perez, which means your reign is coming to an end, you're left wanting as a king, and the Medo-Persian empire is about to overtake you. The king is ecstatic. I don't know why he's ecstatic with that kind of news, but he's thankful, like, okay, at least we know what this means. Probably doesn't make much of it, but that same night, the Medo-Persian army comes and slays him, and they overtake Babylon. So the Medo-Persian empire now overtakes Babylon, and so you've got these two mega superpowers head-to-head -head battling. They win. Babylon is gone, and now a new king comes into the throne, and he is a Mede. His name is Darius. So now this is the third king that Daniel and his friends have had to endure as captives of this land. Darius comes in, and that's where we're going to be pick up our story. Darius is this king who it seems kind. He seems kinder than the one before. Nebuchadnezzar took multiple chapters until he understand, understood who God was. But Darius comes in, and there's a liking of Daniel, but now there's a tension that's going to rise. If you are familiar with the passage of Daniel in the lion's den, that's where we are today in Daniel chapter 6. Daniel is going to have to either stop praying and worshiping his God, or he's going to be fed 
to a huge group of ravenous, hungry lions. And with that, I'm going to invite Riley Steinbeckers to come up and read for us Daniel chapter 6. Uh, it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators among them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue, issue the decree and put it into writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree? that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human being except you, your majesty, should be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or the, the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the king went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you, continually, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the ring of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and sent the, spent the night without eating and without en any entertainment being brought to him. He could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouth of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted out of the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language on the earth, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. 
He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So let's take this in the concept of this really happened. Because you listen to it, you're like, hmm. And we don't really put this into story form. Really put into story form the fact that a man was asked not to pray 30 days or he's going to be fed to angry lions in this huge den of lions. Imagine sitting suspended over a group of lions as they're circling around you, as they're starting to lower you in, saying, okay, maybe I'll just put a pause on my prayer life for 30 days and I'll be all right. Because these lions are circling around him as he's being dropped into this. He sees these hungry lions so hungry that they would crush the bones of those who are later thrown into it. Like so much of this book, Daniel is just confronted over and over again for loyalty. His ultimate loyalty. Loyalty is a word that really is hard for us to understand in our day and age. Because are we truly loyal to anything? We typically are loyal to something for a while, to a person for a while, to a company for a while. And then we just kind of move on. Old school, right? When you got hired by a company, you're at that company to the day you retire. New school, maybe I'll work there two to three years and I'll move on to something that's better for myself. Old school, if I get married, I'm married for life. New school, as soon as something I don't really like about this person, I think we don't love each other anymore, and I move on. Loyalty is a lost word, but there is something we are actually loyal to, and this stems from the most awesomest of time of growing up in the 80s. Growing up in the 80s, a whole new thing started coming out. Really, the 60s and 70s it came to full fruition when the 80s was brand loyalty. We were told as young children that if you do certain things and are loyal to a certain brand, you are going to have amazing outcomes. All I have to say for all those people who understand, Michael Jordan shoes. If I wear... Jo- whoa, 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 whoa. If I wear Michael Jordan shoes, well, that, that blew the punchline, huh? Um, if I wore Michael Jordan shoes, I could play and jump like Michael Jordan. If I wore, I had Bulls everything. Chicago Bulls were so big in the 90s. If I wore these things and if I drank Gatorade like Michael Jordan, I could play like Michael. And so I would go to the court and I would try all my Michael Jordan moves. I'd work on my spin move. You know, I'd stick my tongue out when I went to the hoop. Like I did everything I could. I wanted to be Michael Jordan. We were told over and over again, brand loyalty matters. Because why brand loyalty matters is you talk about it. When you're loyal to a brand, you talk, oh, man, you see my new J's? They're kicking. And you start talking about all you young kids. See my new fresh drip, right? So everything was brand loyalty. And so we would wear a brand. I wore Nike. I did not wear Converse. I did not wear Adidas. I definitely did not wear any of those other less than brands. I only wore Nike. And I would pay stupid amount of money. And I remember my family saying, why are you paying so much money for a stupid stitch swoosh on your shirt? Because it meant I'm part of that team. Whether I liked it or not, I was being fed a story about brand loyalty. It ran so deep into my generation and my culture that we're still stuck on it. We are the ones that have Apple stickers on the back of our cars. We are brand loyal. And brand loyalty is something that really influences our entire way of living. Now, I want to show you this commercial. If this is a new commercial to you, this came out in the early 90s. I don't want you just to watch the commercial. This is your first time seeing it or haven't seen it for a while. I want you to watch specifically what in this commercial are they saying to you 
What are they showing you? And at the end of it, how are you going to feel if you were just like Michael Jordan and drank Gatorade? Check this out. Sometimes I dream that he is me. Got to see that's how I dream to be. Like Mike, drink Gatorade, and then you smile all the time, and you play with little kids, and you can go to the hoop and do sweet layups, because they show the little kid doing a layup, and they see Mike come in and dunking, right? And so if I drink Gatorade, I will have the power to be able to be like Michael Jordan. So if you guys didn't know, our younger uh, people here today, Gatorade used to come in glass bottles. That's the shock you at all? Like, what is that? Yeah, glass. Super smart idea when I'm on the basketball court. But... I really believe this. I was so bought into this idea that if I could do and be everything, then I've got a game like Michael Jordan. And the farthest I made it, I mean, I was okay at basketball, but I didn't make it past high school, and I definitely didn't make it to the NBA, henceforth why I'm here. So <laughs> it doesn't work. Brand loyalty doesn't work. It's, it's fleeting. It gives you this idea that if I could somehow be connected with this group of people, or we'll just say a tribe. I'm in this tribe of people, and I found, I found somewhere I belong because I wear Nike clothes and I drink Gatorade. I found a place to belong. And brand loyalty is a marketing scheme to get you to believe something that's not true. It's not true. Because I have Jordan shorts on doesn't make me more athletic. If I drink Gatorade, well, it's full of sugar. And it's probably not that good for me, right? Like, what is the concept here that marketing is doing to us to make us believe that if I'm loyal to a brand, I'm going to be transformed into a community of people who are all excellent, just like me? The problem here, and this is the tension point I want us to live in right now, is that the tension point is as humans, we're all loyal to something. And there's a word that's come out now in post-pandemic. It's a word that's come out about church, and the word is indifferent. I do all, reading all the books, looking at all the different things. What has happened to the American church after COVID? And the word is indifferent. That means people don't really care if they're involved or come to church at all anymore. It's kind of like meh. It used to be loyalty to a church family. I, this is my family. This is my tribe. I'm part of something in which I'm serving the Lord God Almighty. I'm serving each other. I'm part of a community of faith. We worship together, but we serve together. Now it's like, meh. I can watch it online, meh. I can listen to the podcasts, meh. We've got 85 things for you, meh. You can use your QR code, wink, wink, meh. Everything has just become meh. And post-COVID, the belief system of the American church, the word they use is indifferent. 
I don't really care either way. It's okay. Maybe if I'm free, I'll go and be a part of something. I don't know. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. That is toxic. Because we are looking at Daniel, and as we explore this study of Daniel, you're going to see a man who is loyal to death over and over and over again about not only his Lord God, but his Lord God in the way that he lives. There is no indifference. His loyalty is to God and to God alone. Guys, this is his third king. Three kings have tried to make them like him. The first king, Nebuchadnezzar, tried super hard to make him like the Babylonians. The second king wasn't there that long, but I guarantee you need to be like us. And now the third king comes in and says, okay, we're going to have this uh, opportunity for you to not pray to anybody except for what we say you can pray to. And he's like, I'm loyal to one person and one person alone. That is the Lord God Almighty. So let's jump into the chapter. We see that the king comes in and he sees Daniel and these leaders, these satraps, they rise above the rest of the crop once again. Daniel's integrity, Daniel's character, who Daniel is rises above and they see that he is trustworthy and he stands out among all the other men. Do you stand out in a crowd of people because of your faith walk and because of your character? Do you stand out if we gathered, let's say, 50 random people from a low, from we'll say Target because everyone still goes to Target, right? I don't, but whatever. So Target, grab 50 people in you. Would you stand out if we asked you to work? They, he stood out. There was something about his character and who he was that was so unbelievably dialed in to the Lord. Makes you wonder if his praying three times a day was part of that, huh? We'll get to that. But he stood out among the crowd. So as he stands out among the crowd, there's these other corrupt leaders. So if we have 50 people, we got Daniel and 49 people like, this guy's bogus. Uh, we can't find anything wrong with him because the king now wants to put him as ruler over all the land, which means they have to report to him. And if you know anything about men, power, sex, greed, everybody in those power positions, they all come together and it becomes corruption. Just look at human history. Human history becomes corrupt when these elements are brought together. And once again, corruption is seen in the scripture. And so these men are corrupt. They say, we have to get him out of this place, but there's nowhere to put him because he is so awesome. He loves God so much and he's such an amazing human. The only way that we can make him stumble is if we say he can't do something. We have to mess up his spiritual life. When I was reading this, I, I paused for a second. I thought about my brand loyalty to Michael and to Nike and to Gatorade and to all those things. I thought about my loyalty to the, my king, the Lord Jesus. And I thought, and I asked this question to myself, would I stand out so much in my character and who I am that the only thing that you would have to do to corrupt me would be to say, I can't have a spiritual life with God? And my answer is no. I'm not anywhere near Daniel. So if you feel that way, welcome to Club Mosaic. Because I'm like, Lord, what is wrong with me that I would say I can be messed up with other things? Like, sure, we all have our things or our vices or our weak areas, or we'll say our growth areas, if we want to say it very politically correct. We have areas of our, our life that would grow, and that's important that we're growing those areas. But there's also blind spots in our lives that we're ignoring purposely or saying, I don't want to deal with that. And we use the words, it's no big deal. It's not a big deal. God still loves me. God forgives me. This area over here that's not great, it's not a big deal. But here's the truth. Everything's a big deal. 
because everything is building your character and who you truthfully are. It's building your integrity, or are you who you say you are when nobody's around? You can say and spit and give me all the Christian ease, sing all the Christian songs, quote me Bible verses till you're blue in the face, but if you don't have what Daniel have, if you are nothing but making noise. Because you can do and say a lot of stuff, but if it isn't in your character, your character will show when corruption is available. And that is what Daniel did. So Daniel is now put in this place. These men are like, this guy is legitimate. I've never seen a guy like this. There's one way to get him out. We got to mess up his spiritual life somehow. So they set a trap. They say this, you're only allowed to pray to the king for 30 days. 30 days. 30 days. One prayer to the king and the king alone. And for the Medes and Persians, how they rolled, once you say it, once you put your signet on it, there's no changing it. And these men knew that. So they set up this trap saying, oh, king, oh, king, you're so wonderful. We should only pray to you. You are the greatest one ever. And they have all this conversation of how you're the greatest. So let's make sure, just have a 30-day, just a festival time. No big deal. Just 30 days. Just a small time where we're going to focus our, our love and attention to you. And then we'll go back to our gods. We'll go back to life as normal. No big deal. For 30 days, take off the Nike shoes. And why don't you just go ahead and wear some Reeboks for a while? No way. So they said, no big deal. Let's just do this. But they knew very well that Daniel, being a man of upright character and integrity, this isn't going to work. So this decree comes out, and I love what Daniel said. I love this because you don't even see him sniff. It doesn't say Daniel was scared, Daniel was frustrated, Daniel was irritated. Listen to this. It'll be on the screen behind me, verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. So this decree comes out, hey, you're going to get smoked if you go out and do this. He's like, cool. He went home, opened his windows, started praying again. I'm like, bro, can you close the windows? Like, can you pray inside your head? You know, God hears you. Like, do you have to, like, what, is, what are you doing here, man? Are you just asking, like, for a problem? Or is this man so integrous that life doesn't matter, only the worship of his Lord God Almighty? And if you listen to this verse again, you probably missed it. He didn't pray and say, oh God, please get me out of this mess. Please make all these bad men go away. God, smite my enemies. Smite, smite, smite. Make lightning come down and smite them all. He says, God, I worship you and I give you praise. Three times a day, his prayer life wasn't asking him for things. He was worshiping God. His prayer life was one in which he praised God. And I'm like, bro, if your life is on the line and the first thing you go to is praising the Lord God Almighty, wow, do I have big shoes to fill. I've never had my life on the line. I, I haven't. I've never had that situation where someone has threatened me, stop worshiping God or I will take your life. I've never had that opportunity. I don't know if you've had. Um, I pray I never have to. But may we all be as strong as Daniel to say, no way, take my life. You're never going to stop me from praising God. Guys, we stop praising God because the, we spring forward an hour. Like, oh, I'm so tired, God. I got to get my, not you guys. I'm not talking to you. Our live stream is down, so they can't hear us at home anyway. So, oh, it's on. Oh, hey, what's up? <laughs> yeah, I'm not talking about you guys today. <laughs> 
But we are seriously willing to have any sniffle, cough, issue in our life, anything. Honestly, guys, if we think about it, cracks can crack our spiritual life in which we start reeling backwards and saying, God, where are you? God, why aren't you with me? God, how could you do this to me? God, and that shows how strong our spiritual life is. You want to be a person of integrity, of character, of a man or woman of God so just enthralled and loyal to the God of the universe that nothing matters except the God of the universe. That's our guy, Daniel. This dude's head is always on the chopping block. And over and over and over again, he shows himself to be 100% legit. Again and again and again. So I want to pause here. I want to give you space to just process this for a second. Because where is your walk with the Lord and your story? Where are you in this story? If you were this person, you're put into this story, and in Washington County, they tell you that you are not allowed to pray for 30 days. You're not allowed to speak to the God of the universe for 30 days. Would you say, hey, God, I love you, and this is not a big deal, but for 30 days, I'm going to go quiet because it's more important that I'm alive on earth doing what you need me to do, right, God? God, you need me here, right? I got to take care of my kids. I got to take care of my family. God, I got to pastor a church. You want me dead? How can I pastor if I'm dead? It's only 30 days, God. Don't you understand how much responsibility there is? And it's just prayer. Like, I still love you. Just because I stopped my spiritual life or just stopped doing that for a little bit, you know my heart, and I know you'll forgive me, and I know that it'll be okay, but just for 30 days, I'm going to go silent because for those 30 days, I want to stay alive so I can keep doing your work. Amen. That would be my prayer. If I'm honest with you, that would be my prayer. And I'm ashamed to say it. As I sat there typing this out, and I said, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to ask the congregation to be honest. I was just honest with you and for you. Because in my mind, I'm going to say, God, this is such a small thing in terms of the large scheme of things. But if you know anything about building character and integrity, it's the small things that build the big things. And if I'm willing to stop praying for 30 days, would I be willing to stop praying for 45 days? What about 60 days? What if I don't have to go to church anymore in a building? Because the other post-COVID movement is that I don't need large group gatherings anymore. I'm done with it. I'm indifferent. I still have a spiritual life with Jesus, even though the Bible tells us very clearly to gather together, to lift each other up, and to serve together. But that's a whole other side note. I'm going to make up the story that I want to fit my narrative because God's got to understand it's just hard going and doing stuff when I've got so much going on in my life, and it doesn't matter. But for Daniel, loyalty is showing you that everything matters. So friends, if you sit in the same boat as me and would try to make excuses for why you'd say, God, this has got to be okay, just, just 30 days, then we've got a big problem because I've got a big problem with that as well. At the end of this, I'm like, oh, I got all like puffed up, so I'm typing, I'm getting all mad, you know, I'm like, like, no way, God. Like, I totally keep praying, man. They could kill me. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Well, what about this? But then I would just pray, I'd pray quiet so no one saw me, right? Like, you can't, they can't tell if I'm praying quiet, right? I was praying inside of my head. Guys, integrity, loyalty, character. Daniel is, is showing us over and over again, what is your life but a mist in the wind? It is a short blip. What matters is eternity. We just sang about it. It is eternity that all is what matters. And so when we look at this amazing story, I seek you're convicted 
Because if I'm honest to you about this, on a scale of 1 to 10, how honestly is your spiritual life important to you today? Daniel's a 10 out of 10. Where are you? 1 out of 10. So I want you all to text. I'm, don't text you. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> Faces drop and get white. No. Where are you in this story? If you're 100% honest right now, guys, 1 to 10, where is your value of importance? Because if God demands loyalty, which says you may have no other gods before me, I am to be your everything, I am your Lord, your King, your God, yet we're still always brand loyal to all this other junk in our lives. The Lord says, I am a jealous God, that there are no other gods before me. And then I'm going to ask this question, why are we always whining when life sucks, when we aren't even loyal to the King of the universe? Always whining. I'm always whining. Maybe I'm the only one. Always whining. God, why we got to, God, I'm so tired of this. Why does it got to be this? Whining, whining, whining. But then at the same time, he's like, you're not even loyal to me, bro. You're wearing Reeboks, man. Like, what are you thinking? I'm not even truthfully, full out, 100% sold out for the king of the universe, and I'm a pastor of a church. Boy, did this humble me this week. So if you feel like you just got kicked in the teeth, welcome to my week, because this is what God calls and demands of us, everything. He demands us to take our chips, for all of you poker players out there, and shove them all in the middle and say, I'm all in, win or lose. Whether my life starts or stops, whether I get the promotion I want or not, whether what I want best for life is true or going to happen or whatever the story is, I trust the king of the universe. And God is my everything in every single facet of my life. That's Daniel. You want to see a group of people that change the world and they write songs and stories and books about? You live a life like Daniel. You want a life in eternity in which you can't even imagine the blessings that God can give? When Not eter- eternity, not now. Eternity is for those who give everything for the kingdom. Guys, this is a crazy, crazy way of thinking, but it's right here in the word of God because we move back into the chapter He does pray. They do set him up. They take him. He goes to the lion's den. It doesn't say if he was afraid. He's a human, right? His heart's at least pounding. I'm assuming he's praying, this is my end, God. I'm looking forward to being with you. There's no words in that explain what he's saying at this moment, but let's not make this very real. He's not made up. This is a real human man with real human feelings and emotions and adrenaline. And so he is being put to the lion's den. Did he have doubts? Was he afraid? I don't know. All I know is that you're not going to stop me from worshiping my God. I'd rather die. It was, has to be his mindset. So he goes into, they put him in, they close it up, they seal it so nobody can mess with this. And this king is just broken at the fact that this trick had just happened. And so he doesn't sleep, he doesn't party, because he knew what just happened. He comes the next day, they roll away the thing, and he says, Daniel, You've got to be, Daniel, are you there? Daniel. And he's like, (laughs) his first words, may the king live forever. Dude, what a suck up. May the king live forever. (laughs) I'd be like, get me out of here. May the king live forever. My Lord God sent an angel and shut the mouths of all the lions here. They didn't touch me. He pulls them out. He had not even a scratch on this dude. This is a real story. This is not fictitious. This is the true account of what has happened as we hear in the word of God. There are actual real lions. 
They weren't little like cats, like meow. They were lions. They were there to kill and destroy. He was safe. He comes out. The king is now enraged because justice is the Lord. If you think that you have to take revenge on people, the scriptures are very clear. Revenge is the Lord's. Justice is the Lord. Let the Lord take care of knuckleheads because the Lord took care of these knuckleheads. He takes all these satraps, they take all these wise men and their families, everybody. And I'm like, dude, that is harsh. That's how they do it in Medo-Persia rule, right? They took everybody, I'm going to wipe you off the face of the earth. They go in and the lions are so ravenous that they're being tore up before they hit the ground. That is a miracle upon a miracle upon a miracle upon a miracle. And then this crazy thing happens again as we start to land the chapters. This is what happens. The story lands with this. This king, because of what Daniel's faith had done, converts a king to now worship the real, true, living God. And now we say in Daniel 6, 26 to 27, it says this. This is the king speaking. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs performs signs and miracles in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Because of Daniel's loyalty for God, that brought loyalty from a king. If you don't really understand that the way that you live your faith walk impacts others, let this story challenge you today. That it's not a big deal. It's no big thing. Would not have had this king give, change his entire life around. But the way that Daniel lived, his integrity, his faith walk, is changing other people. Because now this is the third account of yet more people impacted by the way that these young men live. How many times do we have to hear these stories to start to believe that your life matters? Your life matters for the kingdom. How you live matters for the kingdom. How you talk, your attitude, your, the way that you process your life, your generosity, your integrity, your character, and all these things brought together can transform the world. And that is why we started Mosaic Church. Because I believe a group of broken people who actually admit that we're broken can start to reform the idea of discipleship to say, I am broken, but the Lord God is not. Because at our knees, we start to look up to the heavens, and then he says to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Every time that somebody is humble before God, he transforms things. And once again, Daniel shows us transformation comes by those who are obedient. So it's not a big deal. 30 days of not praying. I mean, I haven't prayed like in 60 days. What's 30 days? I don't even have a prayer life, right? Or, I don't know. I mean, it seems pretty extreme. I know the Bible is extreme to try to prove a point sometimes, right? Or maybe not. Maybe today in the year 2022, we can learn an unbelievably important, vital message into your life right now. Your Character, integrity, and loyalty to the God of the universe matters big time, both here and how you can help transform others and for eternity. Your life matters. Your character matters, your integrity matters, and your loyalty matters. 
So the question is, as we close up today, have you truly done that? Where are you on that scale? If you're saying on that sliding scale of 1 to 10, how important is this whole thing for you? If you're new to this, or maybe you're not a believer yet, you're processing, uh, just listen to this message and process. Maybe starting at number one is where you're at. You have to take that first step of believing in Christ as your Savior. And to you, friends, I say, do it. It's awesome. To those who are, have been in the faith walk for a while, and maybe you, you've been kind of meh about stuff, or I'm going to use a great 80s word, you've been a poser. Posers are people who are fake. They pretend. Posers are getting, not Nikes, but Fikes, because you got them down a seven-mile fair. They're fake, right? <laughs> Posers are one who pretend, but they aren't real. Posers ruin Christianity. Posers might be where you're at today. You say you love God, but faced with the lines, then you start to question. And to those who are battling forward, because we all, no matter anybody here, right, we're battling forward on this journey together. Maybe your number is high. Friends, let me encourage you in this. Take another step. Let there be nothing more loyal in your life than you to the Lord God Almighty. And so that nothing, neither wind nor rain nor life circumstances, nothing will shake you from your foundation that you have in the Lord God Almighty. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world. Visit us at mosaicwi.com.